Hello, the internet, and welcome to Season 103, Episode 2 of Dare Daily Zeitgeist! Yeah! A production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness and say, officially, off the top, fuck Coke Industries, fuck. as in the Coke Brothers and Fuck Fox News. Fuck uh, it is Tuesday, October 8th, 2019. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. O-B-R-I-E-N-O, Brian. That is courtesy of A Sphincter Says, and I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. Russian propaganda is the daily zeit, and I'm voting right. The party's on the Soviet side, as I reach for my jewel pot and I burn it up. Trolls from Olingo took emails from the cucks. Wait, took emails from the cucks. Democracy's overrated. Putin in the street yelling, Miles, yeah, we made it. Okay, thank you to Ooh. Christy Yamaguchi, Maine, for that one. You know, just keep the Montel Jordan. He's just keeping the momentum alive. So thank you for that one. Mm, kind of buzzed, and it's all because. This is how we I do it. I can't hear an aka from that song and not want to complete uh, the lyrics from it's, from where it yeah, is you, yeah, I know, it's, I know. it's a problem I know. that i that i have to deal with that is what my cross that, to bear what was that bit in south park like cartman had to fin- sailing wasn't that like oh, there was yeah. like a bit where he's like i have to finish it when i hear it. <laughs> that was probably the last episode of south park ever so oh really yeah i didn't i, I fell off a little bit how long ago was that i i honestly think that was from 2001 oh, <laughs> wow uh, well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the hilarious and talented host of Stuff They Don't Want You to Know and Ridiculous History. He is Mr. Ben Bowen. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, man. That's, that's a hell of a setup. Uh, hilarious and talented? Uh, yeah. You know. Could you do like middling or severely okay? okay? No. We're thrilled to be joined by <laughs> the middling and severely okay. Did you say? Severely, severely just all right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, severely guys. mediocre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, great, man. Suffering with acute mediocrity. It's great to have you in person. Uh, oh, here. that's right. I think we've. Well, this is the second. Well, this is our third time around now, right? Mm-hmm, and yeah. last time we were in Orlando together right, in a no, very huddled room. Nice to have uh, you in person and not in Miles's uh, right, hotel room in your house in Orlando yeah. for the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, great. We're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a few of the things we're talking about today. Uh, we're going to talk about James Harden apologizing to the People's Republic of China. What did he do? Uh, he did nothing. Oh, actually. right. We're gonna we're gonna talk about. What, why that sentence is not an indication that I'm having a stroke. Uh, we are going to check in with a whistleblower, uh, Ukraine oh, controversy, Rick Perry. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, people's predictions. They're really running the gamut these days about how this whole impeachment thing is going to affect Trump. We are going to speak with Robert Evans about Syria, what's going on with America's sort of decision to step aside and let Turkey do their thing in Syria. Uh, And, of course, we have to check in uh, about the Tide Pods for Scotch, the the whiskey Tide Pods. Uh, Finally. Joker uh, (laughs) did break the record of the box office like we expected. Uh, We're going to talk about that, uh, what what it was like at the theater. Our writer uh, went, I went... Uh, and saw it over the weekend and just general impressions. Uh, but first, Ben, we yeah. like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history that is revealing about who you are? All right. So uh, it turns out if someone looked at my search history today, they would see uh, they, they would see uh, frantic 
frenetic uh, search for dispensaries. Since I'm here in L.A., they would see uh-huh. uh, how to find a Cessna in Alaska. And then they would see Andrew Johnson overrated because <laughs> yesterday I was in Greenville, Tennessee, uh, where everything it's a small town, third oldest town in Tennessee. Fucking everything is Andrew Johnson branded because that's really? their claim to fame. Wow, Andrew Johnson oh, he's fake, from there. High school, any anything Widely the guy regarded touched to be America's worst president up to this up to three years ago. Right yeah. until yeah. until three years ago. Yeah, it was uh, him and uh, a couple of other uh, people in a hotly contested race to the bottom. Right. Yeah. So that's that's he what took over see. for Lincoln. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and really shat the bed. Yeah. Uh, I just like the idea that you're like dispensaries. All right, where do I get a single engine Cessna? <laughs> like, like, are you trying okay, to move now some that I'm work? high? <laughs> yeah. Where do I get a single Let, engine? Cessna? And let's learn more about. It's like imagine if they had this kind of loud in Alaska. Right? <laughs> 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 the yeah. profits will be rolling in. That's oh true. Yeah, yeah, that could. If the FBI is paying attention, they might think you are buying weed here from a dispensary because you're like the worst businessman ever. Yeah, and then trying to sell it in Alaska. <laughs> right. Like what? It's volume, baby. It's right. volume. How yeah. much can you? move at a time uh, about 56 grams well okay <laughs> two ounces in my defense in my defense the cessna stuff i was googling uh cessna wreckage fine wreck cessna okay so uh, the okay. nsa intern who is unfortunately tasked with monitoring me shout out to steve if he's listening yeah, yeah. Uh, is, and unit 144832-b yeah 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 the whole crew all podcasts <laughs> all right he's yeah. like you're getting a little sloppy my man i knew that was you at cvs right, so. <laughs> right, right. did you find a dispenser uh, I, I found some. Uh, I found some stuff. I, I very much uh, new to that exploration, and I well, only allow me to, to help you, sir. Oh yeah. my gosh! Consider Thank you, me Miles. Aladdin and this studio a magic carpet because I can show you the <laughs> world. Miles, oh, you didn't need to you. go behind him and put your arms around <laughs> yeah. him from whisper. No, 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 Don't no, you no. dare close your eyes. <laughs> Start of the song. Uh, <laughs> ben, what is something you think is overrated? Oh my. Besides to Andrew Johnson in that one town. Yeah, uh, I like the town, uh, just not the the branding. Uh, I think uh, I'm gonna go real quick through a few. Uh, sex in space overrated. Okay. The concept of having sex in space. Oh no! Apparently, the practice, the concept is dope. Okay, I mean, right. Like oh, sci-fi, conceptually the, great. Yeah. In practice. Yeah, yeah. That's a weird flex. So you're. Space fucking recently? Uh, you know, not not yet, but I, uh, a I wizard was... wizard never tells. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I was looking, because there's been this uh, rumor for a long time that there were secret U.S. and Russian experiments uh, to see whether people could have sex in space. <laughs> uh, I'm just sorry, bro. Like, yeah. The concept to see if people could. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm no, like, but that's yeah, a valid question because- People it, in NASA are lonely. Well, like, you, as yeah. if- Wait, there's well, something that gets that you fucked up nut? with your blood flow, right? Oh. When you are in zero gravity, and it's like automatically, it's going to have to be, uh, or or even low gravity, it's going to automatically have to be kind of uh, BDSM S and because you yeah. gotta get some Velcro in there. Yeah. Uh, also, I'm just going to say it. I think a lot of Vegas is overrated, and I think it's gross when people do like performative selfies with the suffering. You know, when they're like with the suffering. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But um, but those... was that thought connected to Las Vegas? Uh, no, no, that's oh, where people go one. to, uh, an economically developing country yes, and they're yes, like, yes, oh, yes. Sh- look at me. I like, had yes, this. Jules. Yeah, right. Uh, famously on Instagram. 
but mainly sex and space. I'm just I'm preoccupied with the idea that people put money into this concept. We can get to it later, but that pe- people were sitting there and saying, "All right, we need to put people in space. Let's fucking figure it out." How do we grow stuff? Like, who was that one person in the room who leaned in and was like, hey, 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 Bolin, what do you got? Okay, good. The agriculture and zero space, (laughs) Bolin, what do you got? All right. So, right. There was an all right. So moment. Right. (laughs) And they're like, don't ask Ben. You know what he's going to say. He says it every time. I think (laughs) we should see if boners are possible in space. That's all I'm saying. saying. I've got a, I've got a PowerPoint. Yeah. Yeah. It's one slide. It's one slide. Yeah, but uh, it's it's uh, it's strange because it's also I've been preoccupied with this realization. I don't know if we mentioned this in previous episodes, but statistically speaking, someone out there, maybe even listening now, is the world's worst astronaut. This is right. just the hazard of the statistics. And yeah. that's probably the person who uh, who was like, you know what? We really need to prioritize <laughs> sex and space. So but are think- we do we have any kind of more deeper understanding if uh, the erection is possible in zero gravity? Is that really the main point, right? If we're talking about is sex possible in space, that's because conceivably zero gravity is preventing someone from having an erection. I I forget where I read that, but I do <laughs> I do know He's that zero gravity does fuck it. with. I like, think oh wait, it was carved into a stall at a Buffalo Wild. Well, because Wings. they say like your head starts to grow because mm. there's like because yeah, it's astronauts are cocky. For, your oh. <laughs> no, your your body is designed to pump blood up against mm. a force of gravity, and so it's pumping blood like harder than it needs to into your head, and less hard below the heart. Well, the, right. the, the big question too, what's what's missing the point about anyone who's like, all right, let's figure this out for science. Right. What they're not thinking about is good that- exam- or Good impression of dorks, by the way. <laughs> no, um, excuse me. <laughs> that was my real voice. It slipped. This is my radio voice. But uh, is that they don't need, they don't, you don't actually need to have any kind of intercourse in space. You could just artificially inseminate because the big question is, how would an embryo develop? But right. no, right. but no, someone's like, like, you know, what What can we get away with? Missionary, I mean, I just doggy. like that when you start searching this, there's clickbait-ass titles to shit that goes, this is not joking, it's from VIX.com, I don't know what the fuck that website is, but it says, you won't believe what happens to an astronaut's penis in outer space. <laughs> Hell yeah. Please, let me know. <laughs> there's also some really good footage of, like, different things they're testing out in outer space, and there's... I think a pigeon, they release a dove, I think, in outer space. And it's like trying to fly, but it like doesn't know what the fuck. It, it's not in oh, outer in space. Zero gravity. I'm, like, zero gravity. Um, I'm pretty sure the pressure would. Right. Be, okay. It's That's like cool. in a zero gravity thing. And it's just, it looks really uh, hilarious. Ha ha, pigeon. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's almost like humans being like, yeah. we have spent so long uh, marveling at flight. Let's take those birds down. How about this <laughs> asshole? Trying to get some lift out you here, motherfucker. idiot. <laughs> then you're like, it later died of a stress-induced <laughs> cardiac arrest. What is uh, what's something you think is underrated? Other than quesadillas, I strongly feel that it is. Um, I I strongly feel that uh, trolling political figures, especially Donald Trump on Twitter, is underrated. I th- also think it is. I love that you guys shout out the Coke brothers and the Coke to puss every episode because I think that the uh, actions of the Coke machine are severely underrated, especially given the death 
of one of the brothers who wasn't even like the wasn't even the final boss. Right. Yeah. And everyone's oh ding dong, the witch it's is like, dead. Oh, no, right. Honey. But it's like if that okay, if you if you have some semblance of humanity and you object to the the socio-political machine, socioeconomic machine they put in place, then everything you fucking hate about that guy is alive and well. Right. Right. So yeah. like the the importance of his death is is overrated and it, the effect of that thing is underrated. Right. Um, he was right. just the henchman. Well, yeah, or it's just like people have this idea, like they oversimplify like these kinds of plans that have been like 40 years in the making. Right. That right. somehow the guy died. So oh, it's over. One guy. It's like, no, this is this is like decades of momentum behind it. And, and I, it's not yeah. about this one person. Like I get, we have this like sort of movie idea of like, mm -hmm. well, if the bad guy's dead. Then they all live happily ever after, right? right? It's like no, their plan lives happily ever after. And I took some heat on that uh, in in conversations, you know, online and stuff, because we did a show on we did a show on David Koch, and uh, and people were like, "Well, you know, out of respect, right. out, out of respect for the dead and yeah, his family." And I was like, where, where was his respect for the people who did literally die yeah, because right. of his actions? And people who will continue to because of like the sort of systems that are in place and lack of care for people. Like, yeah. It's all, yeah. Hi. I think it's libertarian, masturbatory, yeah. you know, circle jerking. Uh, and finally, what is a myth? That's something people think is true. You got know. a plot twist for you. Uh-oh. Yeah, plot twist for you, Jack. <laughs> that the Koch brothers were bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, uh, so I did the, I set up Sex and Space because yes. it turns out it is a hoax, at least officially. There have been multiple sources confirming that no one actually had sex in space. That's just a myth because, like you said, Miles, it's it's good clickbait, right? Right. And uh, so people propagated it. And, Jack, you are correct that... Uh, Everything we know about physics shows us the the circulatory system will be just a, a, a in a very poor state right. if there's not gravity because it's designed to work with gravity. But as far as we know, uh, there has not been a, an experiment in actual space. Maybe some low gravity banging, but no uh, up in the shuttle. Zero G, right? Yeah, I mean, space is tight. You're basically in. in there's some. In I think there were some. Uh, unsanctioned experiments probably I happening would think so. with one person. I mean, solo experiments. <laughs> right. Like, Man, I've been up in this fucking space station too long. And if right. you're, if you're listening and you're, you're that person, uh, then, uh, write to Jack and miles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, know. somebody must've like, there's been astronauts up there for a year by themselves. Yeah. I'm sure they jerked off at some point. I mean, according to this Vix article, they talk about <laughs> how microgravity affects the penis. And look, shout out to anybody who has, any ED problems or you can't last, right. just say you were in space a long time. Right. Uh, yeah, because yeah. what it says right. is the penis does not get as, as large as it can while on Earth. And an erection in outer space doesn't last as long as it can while on Earth. Yeah, man. But they say there is an exception to every rule. Astronaut Mike Mullane spoke uh, about his peculiar reaction to being in the International Space Station. He claims that several times while in the space station, he woke up with impressive erections <laughs> that for yes. him has the ability to, quote, drill through kryptonite. Who he said that? Surely not. Who? I well look, they hyperlinked off. Let's see, is this to an actual men's health article wow. uh, with him? And let's see, we're let's do a quick find. A couple of times I would wake up from sleep periods and I had a boner that I could have drilled through kryptonite. Uh-huh. Somehow Yo. that's better than him the image of somebody waking up and seeing their erection going, impressive. Right. right. <laughs> 
Like oh Drelter Kryptonite is such a strange because it seem it suggests that he's competitive with Superman when it comes to the strength of their erection. Right. Yeah. Well, like he's like well, I he couldn't touch Kryptonite, though. Well, right. He, he well, does, he's like, yeah. my erection is the best erection in the world. Superman's couldn't even get through the thing. But that's not could. fair to Superman because Kryptonite saying, is his though. thing. Right. Like, it right. should have been like titanium, mm-hmm. you right. know, because then you could have a fair one with but Superman. But Superman can fuck through titanium. <laughs> but that's though. where, yeah. well, then that's where you that's have why, to give it up, That's why I'm suggesting that he is... That's where he looks very shady. He's clout chasing and insecure. Right. Yeah. yeah. Of course, he, he the Superman can't get anywhere near Kryptonite, sir. That's not a fair comparison. Right. So, it, but it is it is apparently a myth. But there's still there's still people claiming that it happens. Uh, there was a that Superman. F- was yeah. through kryptonite? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, I misunderstood. No, no, what, no, 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 yeah. Well, the 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 sex thing. Uh, oh, yeah. There's a French writer in a book, The Final Mission, Murr, The Human Adventure. He says that it did happen. Uh, his name's Pierre Kohler, and uh, everybody in Russian and U.S. space agencies denies it. But, of course, why would you, especially when funding is getting cut left and right, why would you confirm that? Be like, yeah, it's like hedonism in space up there. It's basically Vegas. They're like, hey, man. <laughs> And the ripping and the tearing, the oh, ripping God. and the tearing. That's what I'm here for. Oh, right. so one guy in Mullane in this interview, they asked, they're like, they ask men's health the question, has anyone ever had sex? He says, in the space shuttle program where we had males and females, I can tell you that nobody was doing that because there's absolutely no privacy. The only privacy would have been in the airlock. But everybody would know what you were doing. You're not going. You're not. You're not going out there to do a spacewalk. There's no reason to be in there. Huh. So I wonder if there have been people been like, "Yo, let's fuck in the airlock real quick." Yeah. And it's like to have the thing where it's like everyone knows what you're doing in the airlock. Right. Like, yeah. is that an? Is he alluding to something? Tell them yeah. that we're fixing the suits. Tell them yeah. there's a suit problem. Uh, we have a maintenance bay for that. There we yeah. go. Um, I yeah. didn't want to derail. Right, fucking, I didn't want to derail, but that's yeah. weird. Uh, that's this whole show is derailing. Yeah, uh, it's derailment. Uh, all right, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And we're back, and let's check in with the whistleblower saga. Mm. Uh, so. After what happened at the end of last week where we got the text messages that were basically people within the administration and within the State Department being like, we will give you a meeting with him. Like, just they... They All that was left out was quid pro quo. Yeah, it was very Mm -hmm. elegantly put where it's like, you know, we'll consider it if, look, you're considering this not as forceful as Trump was on the phone. Right. Mm -hmm. It was like, I need a favor, though. But then there was a diplomat who found out about it and in text messages was like, holy shit, we're we're withholding military aid in order to for political purposes. That's disturbing. And the guy responded like... He knew that somebody was eventually going to read these, but um, yeah, it's getting worse. And yeah. again, the, there's no coherent messaging in terms of what the strategy is from the White House. Mm-hmm. The, it's it's ranged from nah to <laughs> these ain't crimes to like I think he's mistaking his transparency as being okay. Innocent. Like th- yeah, yeah, he thinks he's getting in front of it. That's yeah, the like, weird um, thing, right? It's like well, you're still transparently 
doing committing these corrupt acts. So right. it's not that your transparency is somehow negating that. And has anybody considered how this will affect the uh, trade the trade conflict? Because this is tremendous leverage for the PRC. For Xi Jinping can yeah. can just simply say, you know, I'll release the transcript. Right. And right. then and then the Kremlin. I know you guys probably talked about this. The Kremlin uh, said, well, we need to green light yeah, releasing right. the transcript. What right. the fuck? Although is they that? were like, sure, you can take out the Helsinki notes. I think they were saying like they would be okay with that, but I don't know if that was like a troll move to be like, yeah, do that. Yeah, see, what see how that looks. See, we'll see how that looks. <laughs> Push you know me. what we did. Push right. um, so now we've moved on to, you know, last last week, Trump even said, uh, you know, China, I think they should investigate the Bidens. And people are like, dude, shut the fuck up. You're, <laughs> right. You just did the thing again out loud. But and, I mean, that seems to be his strategy, is doing the thing out right. loud to make it seem like because it's not it's about a big corruption. Yeah. It's about corruption. It's not about smearing somebody who I think is the front runner who I'm going to run against. Right. <laughs> like that time when he was like, I could shoot somebody in on Fifth Avenue and nothing would happen. Like that shooting someone on Fifth Avenue actually appears to be a part of his strategy to do the crime out in the open. We are, we're approaching that right. moment of the administration, mm-hmm. right. I'm sure. Um, so now, right. On the Sunday shows, officials from the White House were very, uh, it was very clear they were not having anything to do with the Sunday shows, which usually that's when you get them out there to be like, this is what's going on from the White House perspective. Right. This time, they only had a bunch of shook Congress people who, this time when pressed again, the, the question du jour was, why did he just ask China to now meddle in this? Isn't that inappropriate? And no one could give a fucking straight answer. And the answers were all over the place. So, okay, let's look at Marco Rubio first. He's asked, hey, uh, what, what, what's going on? He just asked China to investigate Biden for political purposes. And here's Marco's answer. Do you think it's okay for President Trump to ask China to launch an investigation of Joe Biden and Hunter Biden? I don't know, but that's a real request for him just uh, needling the press, knowing that you guys were going to get outraged by it. Uh, He's gotten, he's pretty good at getting everybody fired up and he's been doing that for a while and the media responded uh, right on, uh, right on, right on task. But you're one of the loudest critics of China and its human rights abuses. I mean, is it okay for him to ask to say that? I don't think it's a real request. I think, again, I think he did it to gig you guys. I think he did it to provoke you to ask me and others and get outraged by it. Um, like I said, I mean, he, he plays it like a violin and everybody falls right into it. But that's not a real request. Okay. So he's doing the crimes as a joke to get you guys mad. You know, he's just trolling, bro. You know yeah. how he does, y'all. He just does a thing. You guys are all, ooh, look what he's doing crimes. Right. And he gets y'all up in a tizzy. He like, does a crime in public uh, because he wants to get you guys, the media, to react and look at you. You're covering the fact that the president of the United States did a crime in public. That's... It's so, jokes, bruv. It's jokes, bruv. But right. that's like the that's the fourth dimensional chess argument, right? Like his oh, his real strategy for calling uh for speaking with leaders of foreign countries who are not all the all the time one hundred percent aligned with the US is to mess up the news cycle temporarily. Right. That's yeah, that's his... also shouldn't be right. okay. So his priority is to fuck with the news media? That's Wait, like... that's your defense? <laughs> that's <laughs> like a, a DC level, like golden era, you know, when they had right. all those ridiculous supervillains. That's like right. calendar man shit, right. you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Uh, and then Jim Jordan, uh, he went to go holler at George Stephanopoulos. And this dude, I don't know why he keeps going out. Because like the week last week, he literally said, uh, who is it? I think to Jake Tapper, he when being pressed about the actions of the president, he just said, "Come on, man, come yeah, on." Right. <laughs> That's yeah. what he did last time. So I don't know why on, he man. thought he was going to go out this time and somehow be amazing. So this is him on Stephanopoulos again. Uh, terrible defense. 
but I'm still, I, I still haven't got an answer to the question. Is it appropriate for the president to ask China to investigate Joe Biden? I think he's got you guys all spun up, and obviously it's the case. You're not you've asked answer, me the no, question. You've asked me the question like four Again. times. I've well, because it. you haven't I answered it. I don't think he really meant go investigate, because I, do you think China's going to investigate him? I don't know if China's going to investigate him. I know the we president know asked not. China to investigate him. We know they're not, George. Come on. Why can't you answer yes or no? Do you think it's appropriate? I, I don't, because I don't think that's what he did. I don't think that's what he did. So, but it was right there on camera. I think, I think Senator Rubio had it exactly right. I think, I think our side says this, this is exactly what, I think most Americans say this is exactly oh, what you the just cut it off. He's just, right. <laughs> right. He, again, not, not much there to work with. Yeah. And he did it just to get you guys mad. China knows it's a bit. He didn't even China, China, knows China gets it. China's in on the bit, dude. Don't you guys fuck with comedy? See, this was a problem with PC culture, man. Like, no jokes yeah, are fucking jokes anything. no more. You can't right. even be like China. I need you to investigate a political opponent. <laughs> right? It's fucking. That's like top level comedy shit, yeah. man. Yeah. Fuck. And finally, Kevin McCarthy had to go out there and basically just deny that Trump even said. Let me just give for context, right? The thing that happened when Trump was asked, they're saying, "What did you want Zelensky to do?" And he said, you know, I think he needs to, I need to look into the Bidens because there's terrible corruption. We need to look into corruption. Then he continued that statement and said, this is a verbatim quote. Likewise, China should start an investigation into the Bidens because what happened in China is about as bad as what happened with Ukraine. That's, mm -hmm. the, that's the quote from this man's mouth. Cut to Kevin McCarthy on Fox and Friends with a whole new strategy, which is gaslighting. Uh, yesterday, Jim Jordan was asked about the president saying, I want China to investigate Biden. And he said he was just like Marco Rubio. He was just trolling China. He was just having fun. Do you believe the president <laughs> was kind of just having fun when he said, uh, like Jim Jordan said, that, uh, hey, China, I want you to investigate Biden's investment? When you look at you, you watch what the president said. He's not saying China to investigate. But l let's get to the clear point. <laughs> if I'm a member of Congress Wait, and I break the law and there should be investigation and I run for another okay, office. Okay, cut. There's nothing much that has to be <laughs> said. He literally just said, I mean, I don't th that's not what he said. Right. I just read you the quote. Likewise, China should start an investigation into the Bidens because what happened in China is just about as bad as what happened with he Ukraine. He didn't say that, Miles. He didn't say that. And the thing is, you know, when you talk about corruption, uh, 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 okay, <laughs> wow, uh, it's a bit of a panic. So now we're in the new phase of the scandal where, again, every time someone gets pressed, they throw somebody else under the bus. When it was Rudy, he threw the State Department under the bus. When it was Trump, first person under the bus was Mike Pence. Then this time, according to Axios, He's now throwing Rick Perry and the Department of Energy under the bus. There was a quote in this Axios article from over the weekend where Trump was on a call with other House members. And this is what he said, according to people who are on the call. Uh, this is from Trump. Quote, not a lot of people know this, but I didn't even want to make the call. The only reason I made the call was because Rick Perry asked me to. Something about a liquefied natural gas plant. Weak. Mm. But then people were like, wait, What? So is there a there's an energy dimension to this too, right. and it turns out there is. Okay. Now, but not necessarily with Trump. But when Rudy Giuliani was out there fucking parading around Ukraine, being like, "I'm the president's personal attorney," he also was making inroads for clients of his in the United States with these two Ukrainian Americans and a Texas uh, energy guy who basically were like, "This would be a dope, sick ass plan. We're gonna donate a ton of money to Trump PACs, get in with y'all." But here's our thing. What if you took the Ukrainian gas company, Naftogaz, completely flipped their board with people who we want, and then we can start exporting our gas to Ukraine, and everybody's going to make money? That's essentially what was going on. And they had everyone from 
Giuliani talking to these people um, to like these Americans who are like reaching out to people who are already on the board of this company being like, you know, actually, we think you should be the man. They're like, this feels like a shakedown. Right. Um, <laughs> and then the so then on top of that, Rick Perry personally delivered this message to Zelensky as well. Uh, saying, like, this is from an article from the AP, said, Perry made clear that the Trump administration wanted to see the entire NAFTA gas supervisory board replaced, according to a person who attended both meetings. Perry again referenced the list of advisors that he had given Zelensky, and it was widely interpreted uh, that he wanted Michael Bleiser, a Ukrainian-American businessman from Texas, to join the newly formed board. Hmm. Then the problem was then um, Rick Perry, this is where what Trump was talking about. He asked Trump to then, hey, make sure to like also mention that thing on the call too, right? Yeah, while you're up, while you're while you're up there, <laughs> get that one in there too, because I'm also working some side. This whole fuck again, it's like you're starting to see just sort of how he's corrupting every single person mm -hmm. now, and now everyone's like, well, fuck it. I mean, I guess if we're gonna lean on him for all kinds of stuff, like let's maybe make some money too. And let me just point out that Rick Perry, when he was in the running. Or mm -hmm. uh, as as a presidential candidate, mm -hmm. uh, he said, "You know what? We should abolish a ton of shit, uh, including the Department of Energy." And now he's in charge of it. Yeah, yeah. that's and that's the one uh, one of the ones that whose name he could remember. He Don't, couldn't remember the other one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't be fooled by the glasses, right? Or you know, <laughs> uh, intelligent guy. Uh, search uh, search uh, his wonderful ranch N word head. Right, right. Thank you for mentioning Look, that. Peep be that sad. article because yeah. uh, you really want to get a glimpse into this man's head. He ha just looked that up. There's a, I think Ta-Nehisi Coates actually wrote about it like way back. But uh, yeah, again, this is sort of the snake pit that right. uh, we're operating in. Yeah, and kind of taking a step back about how the entire impeachment is playing for him because you know we have conflicting data. We have polling data that says that. Support for impeachment is skyrocketing. That's what we're seeing in polling. But we're also seeing his approval rating hold steady at a not good, but still steady, you know, low 40s. Mick Mulvaney claims that based on their skyrocketing fundraising following the opening of the impeachment inquiry, uh, that he expects Trump to win in a historic 45 state landslide uh, once the impeachment is over. Uh, because is that the deal he cut? His with base is fired up. Got the foreign governments that they're meddling with. Hey, right. can, can you give me 45 states? Because um, I'm the 45th president. But you were even pointing out that his numbers are going up with independents or at least. Yeah, Biden fucking dived 18 points. Right. He had an 18 point or 19 point lead, 18 or 19 point lead over Trump with independents. That now he only has a one point advantage now. Yeah. And I think it's a it's a very it's like within single digits. He has leads over Warren and Sanders, too. But I mean, I think, you know, those if. The new, if the needle moved for independence away from Biden last week, that means that means they bought this idea that the debunked bullshit about the Bidens is true. Right. Or, like I said, not to say that what Biden isn't doing reeks of nepotism and the kind of shit that we don't like, that we would ideally not have in our politics, that maybe those people are principled enough, but eh, maybe there are people who are Trump supporters who call themselves independents. Sure. And like, well, you know, actually, after this... You know, if there's if the Bidens are corrupt, maybe. But I mean, if you just think about sheer volume of messaging, like we're hearing nonstop defenses from Trump of his, you know, horrible corruption. Yeah. And he's got this huge, massive machinery of the U.S. presidency and this huge uh, one of the if not the richest presidential election campaign so he has this huge war chest i saw he's running some pretty effectively made campaign ads uh that are 
insane propaganda, but if that's where you're getting your information from, it, it seems like he is most in his element when he's in involved in a conflict or involved in a fight. And there, there has to be something to react to, right? Right, yeah. yeah. And so this gives him something to react to. Uh, but like I said, there's also reason to think, like support for impeachment is higher now than it was with Nixon at this stage. Uh, it can't be... That can't be good. Well, and also, we got a second whistleblower. Yeah, we have a second whistleblower. It seems like there's a ton more shit coming out. A member of his executive team used to run his construction projects and kind of knows like the anatomy of a Trump meltdown, uh, believes that he's going to resign rather than face impeachment mm-hmm. eventually. Oh, uh, I also want to point out, I don't, I'm sure everyone saw this. He, when he was uh, having a lover's quarrel with Fox, he floated the idea of having a, a state-owned yeah. uh, out media outlet mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. would be more in line. Uh, yeah, these are these I mean, are all things that are going to look like very clear steps to future historians. Yeah, oh, right. <laughs> yeah, what starts off is like, well, Fox News wasn't enough, and he jokingly said that. Mm-hmm. And welcome to the Trump News Network. Yeah. Although, I mean, the people that he has on his own like weird little YouTube channel, <laughs> yeah. it's very. If that's what it's going to look like, I think we'll be okay. Uh, right. It's it's like the least convincing conversations about nothing I've ever seen. And right. again, there's this woman who's on there who is this woman who claims she was a pussycat doll. And they're like, yo, she wasn't in the group. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, dude. She's like hotly contested because when they blew up, she wasn't part of the group. But I think she was saying in the buildup was. Uh-huh. And that's like one of their sort of uh, nicer, like clearly they're like, we need we need a hot blonde woman. Because everyone is so like camera ready on that channel, and it's like right. Laura Trump too. It's really about there's no no substance. It's all the optics of it. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the stakes. What uh, you know, having somebody like this in office running uh, U.S. foreign policy uh, does to the world. Right. And we actually have uh, Robert Evans, uh, host of Behind the Bastards and the new uh, weekly podcast, Worst Year Ever, uh, about the 2020 election and just all politics in general at this very moment on. Uh, He has recently come back from being in northern Syria, which is exactly where this uh, Kurdish-led fighting force is from. So basically, the U.S. partnered with a fighting force in northern Syria to defeat ISIS in that part of the country. And it's like partially Kurdish, which is an ethnic group in that region of the world that doesn't like actually have a state. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also, you know, a bunch of other people, other types of people. And uh, Robert Evans, host of Behind the Bastards, who's about to join us, went over there and actually spent some time with this fighting force because they're incredibly progressive. Right. Uh, But anyways, the U.S. partnered with them to drive out ISIS, and they are despised by uh, Erdogan and you know, his government in Turkey, and he's been itching to have the all clear to attack them uh, and basically carry out essentially a genocide. Well, in- right. Yeah. And I think the U.S. pulling out sort of is like, OK, well, we'll turn our backs to this right. and but just promise you'll be good. Promise right. you won't do the thing that history and what we think with our own, we see with our own eyes won't happen. Right. Trump announced uh, two nights ago that he is going to step aside, basically, let let Turkey do its thing, uh, and that is... And that thing is fucking and violent that, and terrible. And that's right. T-H-A-N-G. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and it's 
you know, experts on the region are troubled for a number of reasons. Uh, we wanted to ask you and Robert, because you were uh, like a couple of weeks ago hanging out with uh, these Kurds in northern Syria. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're they're not all Kurds. That's generally how it gets boiled down in the in the media because it's it's a very complicated situation. But the 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 group that is in control of Rojava and particularly the military forces there, but also sort of like it's a very um, heterogeneous uh, region. And so, like the people that I spent time with were Kurds and Arabs and Armenians, and you know, there were there were uh, a number of different groups out there, um, a number of different like ethnic groups. Uh, and in the early days of, uh, of the Rojavan project, most of the, particularly the fighting forces were Kurds. Um, but that's no longer the case in every region. Like some of the places, we, some of the cantons, which is essentially analogous to a state that we went, they were actually majority Arab fighting forces. Um, I spent a day on a, a military base for the training of members of like the women's militia that was, that was all Arab. So it's, it's a very, mixed force. And in fact, one of the things that like it's pushed a lot to kind of um, defame these people in the international media is the idea that they're they're all Kurdish and it's a Kurdish dominated force. And so like that's one of the lines Turkey's using is that these cities rightfully belong to Arabs. Uh, and the, the Kurds are like ethnically cleansing these regions of Arabs and, and nothing could be further from the truth. Hmm. What's kind of like, I know when you were there, right, there was all, I'm sure there's always like this fear that Turkey would invade or the U.S. would basically turn its back on the Kurds. What, how, what was sort of the environment like when you were there when things were not as certain? I, I would say I was within one to two miles, sometimes within a couple of dozen feet of the Turkish border. Uh, much of my time in Rojava, I was actually usually using a Turkish cell network just because those were the strongest cell towers in the area. Mm -hmm. Um, and you could see the entire Turkish border uh, with Rojava is there's an enormous border wall, uh, huge concrete slabs and uh, guard towers. Um, and it just sort of looms over everything on that side of things. And the um, the Turks built up with this enormous, you know, it's kind of like the wall that I think Donald Trump dreams about at night when he imagines what he might build on the Mexican border. It's, it's that kind of construction. Um, Are there the lasers that would like chop you in half and uh, alligators guarding the wall? Not yet, not okay. yet. But right. I think that has more to do with the the climate. You know, the sand damages uh, laser working, yeah, and alligators don't do so well in the high enough. desert. Yeah. Um, but like, while the, the the Turkish forces like built up with this gigantic wall, the Kurds were drilling down, and we you could watch the construction of it. wasn't even really secret. Um, hundreds of miles of tunnels under every single city and every single military base. Uh, and 25 meters down, I looked down into a couple of the shafts while they were building, like enormous constructions meant to be uh, protected from aerial bombardment and everything. But they, they've been building for years. Um, it was a, a really like significant construction. And everyone I talked to and befriended over there was sort of, there was this kind of, there's a little bit of hope. Hey, maybe the U.S. won't abandon us, but I would say the vast majority of people I talked to, there was this kind of dull acceptance that, like, y'all are going to abandon us. Uh, uh, sooner or later, you're going to abandon us and we're going to have to fight Turkey. Like, they're very pragmatic people over there. You don't get a lot of um, kind of hopeful idealism over there. There was this kind of, we're enjoying some peace now and it's nice, but there's no way we can trust the guy uh, who's running y'all's country. And in general because things change so much depending on who's in charge in the United States, we really can't rely on you for long anyway. 
And there's so there's um, so sort there, of a, there was this acceptance. There's sort of a burden of history at play here too, because it's unfortunately part of the U.S.'s geopolitical mo, right? To use groups, uh, use indigenous groups against one another, and then abandon them, right? This is not the first iteration of this sort of strategy. Yeah, you know, it's always a little different each time. Like with the, the, the one of the other one of the the other cases in history that people will point to as sort of being like this is um, what happened with the Montagnards in Spain, which was the um, a group of uh, indigenous people in Vietnam who uh, fought with the United States and with South uh, Vietnam against you know the the Vietnamese communist forces. And, you know, obviously uh, that didn't work out, uh, but we did, there was a pretty comprehensive um, resettlement plan for like helping those people who could get, those Montagnards who could get out of Vietnam, find homes in the United States. A lot of them wound up in like Michigan, I think. Um, I've talked to a couple of people for whom that was the journey. And the same thing kind of happened with Hmong. So there was at least an effort made to, even though like we, we gave up the ghosts in that fight, there was an effort made to, um, take some sort of care with the, uh, the the individual people themselves that had fought for us. And I don't think we're, like, obviously that doesn't mean we didn't abandon them, but it, it's something. And I don't think we're even going to do that for our Syrian Kurdish allies. My friends over there uh, can't even get visas for anywhere. Like, you, 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 if, you're, if you've got a Syrian passport, um, and if you're lucky enough to even have a Syrian passport, you can't go to Europe, you can't go to the United States. Um, there's no way to do that legally. You have to try and do the whole smuggling route. So like, um, it's, it's a pretty comprehensive abandonment that these people are going to see. Right. And I think, you know, looking at sort of how the story evolved, right. Trump put out his, uh, wild tweets saying like in his infinite wisdom that he would obliterate the Turkish economy if they did anything what that he saw as off limits. And I know uh, Lindsey Graham was pretty vocal and a lot of actually a lot of Republicans for the first time were out loud disagreeing with Trump on this um, and just saying how yeah. terrible of an idea it is. How likely do you see even with the like the relationship between the U.S. and Erdogan, how real that threat is of like, well, don't do anything off limits now or do the thing that we oh. think you're going to do? I have no faith that any of that will happen because I think um, one thing all Erdogan has to do is deny that whatever is happening is happening, which they did in Afrin, which is the other the, a city that Turkish forces took over last year, um, and they carried out an ethnic cleansing campaign. You know, the site I one of the sites I write for, Bellingcat, did a lot of analysis of like satellite photography over the area, and you can see like um, like one of the things that they did is they went into the graves of these Kurdish martyrs who died fighting against ISIS, which are like kind of political monuments too, and just bulldozed, uh, these cemeteries, um, which is like part of genocide, like the destruction of, of cultural centers, like, uh, cemeteries is an aspect of the genocide. Um, and there's a lot of fear among the Kurds that that's what Turkey has planned for them. Um, and it, you know, more to the point, uh, Turkish forces support, hardcore Islamic groups in the region. This has not been heavily reported on in Western media, but it's, it has been reported on, and like there's evidence beyond a shadow of a doubt that during the early stages of the spread of the Islamic State, um, the, Turkey was allowing ISIS fighters to cross into Syria. Um, and I've talked to dozens of people at this point who watched with their own eyes ISIS fighters entering uh, Syria to go fight like moving directly from the Turkish border to the front lines in Syria, fighting against the YPG and wounded fighters fleeing back into Turkey uh, and like going to Turkish hospitals and being given care. 
Um, it was very direct. It was very obvious, and it's very well documented, the aid uh, that the Turkish government gave ISIS fighters. Um, because, number one, um, there's a lot of support and sympathy for kind of extremist, hardline Islamist groups like that in chunks of Turkey. But more to the point, um, you know, they're also enemies of the of the Syrian state. Like, they don't like Bashar al-Assad either. It's two very unpleasant uh, dictators uh, who hate each other. Um, but Turkey saw having ISIS in that area as kind of a, a buffer zone both against Assad and against the Kurds, who are also their enemies. What What's in it for Trump? Why is Trump stepping aside? Uh, why, why is the U.S. making this move at this point? Is it just that he... You know, Erdogan is also or is the strongman dictator that he aspires to be in game recognized game? Or is it like, is there some strategic element to this? Yeah, I've got two theories in my head, and I, I don't know which is accurate. From what I'm reading today, um, the justification that Trump is giving is that um, the European forces were not, or European nations were not doing enough to take in uh, their captured ISIS fighters, um, which is true. Uh, the European nations needed to do more to actually take and prosecute the members of their nations who went out to fight for ISIS. They just kind of left them there, which is, is not cool, but is a fairly minor issue in the grand scheme of the regional politics. Uh, his other justification is that the U.S. beat ISIS and we don't need to be there anymore. Um, which is absurd for a couple of reasons. But I, I so I, I think the justification Trump wants to give is that the U.S. is tired of footing the bill for this whole effort. And mm -hmm. uh, we're going to leave it up to other people to 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 solve um, my theory about what went on. You know, we know we had a conversation with Erdogan and I suspect one of two things happened in that conversation. Either Erdogan said, hey, I'm going to invade. I'm, I'm ready to move in. I've got my forces massed. I'm going to do this. Um, are you going to stop me? And I, that would have been a bluff because Turkey, if the U.S. wanted to oppose that, it would last seconds. Um, for one thing, we could cut off their access to the mechanics who maintain their entire military force. Um, but I, I think Trump saw that as possibly getting him embroiled in a new war, which would be bad for him politically. Um, so I think that's one possibility, that Erdogan uh, gambled and Trump is a coward and back down. Right. Um, and didn't he want is to history's get involved in a fight. Worst negotiator. Yeah. <laughs> Just really bad at he, negotiating. He's, he's, un, he's unbelievably bad at it. He, he's a worse right. negotiator than me. Uh, and I always pay double the blue book value for whatever car I buy. <laughs> um, now, uh, the other possibility is that he had a really good phone call with Erdogan. And Erdogan was like, dude, we're going to take care of all these ISIS guys. We'll take care of the whole region. You won't have to worry about anything. And then you get to brag during the 2020 election that you got U.S. troops out of a whole country. Right. Um, and he can't obviously he, he can't get out of Afghanistan. He clearly wants to. But for whatever reason, nobody can get the U.S. out of Afghanistan. So if he's going to brag about getting the U.S. out of a country, this is his best option. Right. Um, so that I, and I kind of am leaning toward that, that he wants to be able to make that sort of campaign brag in the coming months. Um, so he did this and it is, it is kind of heartening to me to see all of these Republicans who I do not like are pretty unanimous and outspoken that this is a terrible idea. Right. Um, because it is one thing those people tend to get is like, well, but like, like, like when I was a kid growing up in a very conservative household, like the whole line being given about why the invasion of Iraq was a good idea. 
focused around how much better it was going to be for the women in Iraq. Yeah. Um, so the fact, like if you, the reality on the ground in, uh, uh, Rojava is so, um, stark and undeniable. Um, the improvements in women's rights, it's, it's unbelievably radical. Uh, and uh, under, I uh, think a lot of the improvements in women's rights mm-hmm. under this Kurdish force. Yeah. Under the Kurdish, uh, Kurdish led forces, primarily Kurdish led forces has been so, um, revolutionary and so comprehensive. And I think there's a lot of folks who, even though they might be inclined otherwise to go along with the president because they're Lindsey Graham, just can't in good conscience ignore that fact. Um, so I, I do think that's a factor that these guys, they have a glimmer of a soul and they're like, but this is a thing we've been trying to do for 20 years over there. Right. Yeah. Is, uh, you know, put progressive values into action in, in the region. Yeah. Um, it also seems like it's a broader, uh, a reflection of the broader issue. We just got done talking about the whistleblower Ukraine controversy. And, you know, that is another situation where the president yeah. is sacrificing American interests and the interests of American allies abroad for his, you know, political considerations. And it sounds like you're suggesting that could kind of more implicitly be what's happening uh, in in this case. All right. Well, Robert Evans, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you uh, about this horrible subject. Yeah, it's uh, it's really frustrating. Um, I think I would I would encourage people who want to read more to to look up David Graber. He's a he's an anthropologist who um has written for the Guardian and and also been in Rojava. Um, you know, you might check out his stuff. Yeah, that that would be my um advice to people. And he's writing about this specific kind of progressive yeah. feminist culture that has taken hold uh, among the forces that have that are kind of in power in Rojava. Yeah, yeah, he's written a lot about that, and um, I'm I'm working on pieces about that that'll hopefully be out soon. Yeah. Graber's actually got a lot of stuff published, so I would I would recommend looking into his his work on the matter. Awesome, thanks, Robert. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. And enough of all that heavy shit, guys. Let's talk about Tide Pods for Scotch. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Finally. You know, the problem with drinking is that I can't eat the glass I'm drinking out of. Yeah. Thank you. I've noticed you try to do that. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's why I might have terrible mouth cuts. Yeah. Uh, my gums are in terrible shape. The lacerations <laughs> I have, oral lacerations I have are terrible. Uh, but apparently, the people at Glen Livid think that's a real concern from the general alcohol consuming public. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, they have just announced a very odd Tide Pod-esque cocktail that will only be available in a bar in London who has a very disturbing website. Uh, yeah, their website looks like a, a bundle of mushrooms being... Drenched in maybe a oh, thick wow. milk or some kind of bodily yeah. substance. It's... Uh, ben, just let that. Okay, there we go. And oh, now the it's, goo it's, is being poured on a stack of mushrooms. I'm I don't know what that means about a bar, but uh, this is a very forward-thinking cocktail. They're offering three different cocktails. Uh, they say no ice, no stir, no gloss. So it's a single shot worth of 
scotch that but you yes. put in your mouth and it bursts into your mouth. Don't people sip scotch though? I, I, That's what I Well, these thought. are cocktails it's... and they're capsules. Oh, as okay. I say in the video, they're capsules. Oh, so oh. I'm being a dick. Okay. Yes, they're capsules. <laughs> right. uh, What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> orally placed capsules. Also, I'm pretty sure people will probably be boofing these. Uh, but <laughs> That was yeah. my first thought is how do this? I... Yeah. You said that out loud. This? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, I think that the capsule itself is made with a sustainable seaweed extracted casing. Yeah, uh, I support that. That yeah, part, great. I, I'm in. Sure. Those of us who have long wanted to take our shots as suppositories now have an option. The video, the the ad in which they announced this, it, it's very difficult to tell if it's a piece of satire or not. But the actress who they have taking the capsule 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 uh, into into her mouth like there's never been a worse illustration of someone enjoying a product because her mouth is like so full and she's just like, like doing the best <laughs> doing her best to try to like illustrate that this is like a fun thing and no big deal but everybody's like Hmm. Like it, you could even see, like the, the way the actors are portraying it. It's still kind of like this is weird. Is it like the? Uh, is it like that uh, subculture on uh, YouTube where people are just filming themselves eating stuff in a weird ASMR way? Yeah. Uh, no, no. Nope. It's just it's like shots, stylized shots. It's just oh, okay. they they weren't able to make it look seamless. You can tell they're not right. They okay. couldn't they couldn't find an actress with a big enough mouth to make it. <laughs> not seem just weird as hell yeah they're the the three whiskeys is zesty citrus spice and wood yeah those are the three yeah let me get wood yeah let me get <laughs> what the let me fuck? get a wood capsule yeah uh, homie uh let me get three woods real quick <laughs> yeah and uh two spice in a wood please two spice in a wood <laughs> is Cut citrus the thing that people want out of their whiskey I don't I know. Guess I guess citral mean, notes, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I always hear it called notes, but I'm not a I'm not a you know a Scotch doctor. Or whatever. Yeah. A Scotchster. A Scotchster. Thank you. Yeah. yeah thank right. you. It's the the proper term. I mean, I, I the thing is, I really like Scotch, but I only drink it neat. You know, it's yeah. like my favorite winter alcohol to drink. You know, have the have the fire. You know, gather around the hearth. It seems like one of the more overwhelming tastes of any of the liquors like that it's shit a is peaty yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah. it's a lot to take well, that's why, as a sipping drink so that's like, why it's but it's just easy like, to sip though it's a lot so of the notes. thing that people want to do with our thing is the they don't take shots of it but that's because they can't have the shot just burst into their mouth yeah. all at once you would that's never what, you would never do a, a shot of scotch right that's no. just not, nobody unless does you're it. a that's, clown yeah right, right. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Uh, but that's why, you know, I guess these cocktails must have, you know, very, uh, very specific flavors. So it's a nice scotch based cocktail. I, I mean, would wonder whatever. if it's diluted somehow, too, just because, oh, yeah. like, what you said, Jack, the flavor is so yeah. overwhelming. Yeah. It would be a lot. Can you yeah, imagine? Maybe like, it's more like Southern Comfort or something like that. People are just like fucking spitting it out. Like, it's too <laughs> much. Like, oh, fuck. Yeah. The it was act, a lot. It was a lot. It the actors lot. are like, the day rate is not covering this. Yeah. <laughs> They're asking like, can I actually just use a Tide Pod for this? I think I might be able to make an easier face. Right. Uh, all right, guys. Let's talk about uh, what is going on with the People's Republic of China as it relates to the Houston Rockets NBA basketball team. Yeah. What? Wow. What? Yeah. It was so, a thing set off with one tweet. Daryl Morey uh, is the GM of the Houston Rockets. He's... Uh, 
called Dork Elvis by Bill Simmons. And they uh, call him Dork Elvis. Yeah, because he's like a huge deal at like this uh, metrics conference. Like okay. he's the man. Like, oh, people for like sabermetrics. Like, you hear Daryl's here? Daryl Morey's here? Holy shit! Yeah, he's like sa- sabermetrics. He basically is the Moneyball guy Dork Elvis. for the NBA. Um, and he has completely defined the identity of of the Rockets, like how they play. The fact that James Harden takes as many threes as he does, the fact that he draws as many fouls as he does, the fact that they built their team around James Harden. By design. By design. And it really goes back to this guy's philosophy of just like looking at the highest value shots on the court and building the team from metrics back. And the Rockets were considering firing him, according to reports, over the weekend because of a single tweet in which he expressed support for the protesters in Hong Kong. Yeah, it was like like stand with democracy. Something about democracy, stand with Hong Kong. Right. Nothing nothing mentioning the word China, but I guess mm-hmm. obviously if it, there's a binary here, if you're standing with Hong Kong, then I guess you're probably against China. Right. And they took that. I think well, the first one of the first responses was China was like, you know, I think we're going to pull all the Houston Rockets games right. from TV. We are no longer interested in broadcasting. Just it. a single swath. Just yes. obliterate yeah, everything. Like, and I think that was sort of the shot across the bow of the NBA saying, you want to keep doing this? Push right. me. You know, you've spent a lot of time like trying to get our dollars and opening up this revenue stream that's big for you. Yeah. And now we will show you that your God is money. Yes. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. march out a player to apologize on behalf of the, the entire NBA. So they got James Harden, the st- their star, and uh, two years ago MVP, last year MVP runner-up, to uh, apologize on behalf of the organization to China and express his love for China and all that they're about. That uh, happened? Yes. Yeah. So We're going to listen to it right now. It was now, just actually. one tweet, and right now there's they're playing games in Japan. And so, like, it was weird. It's him and Russell Westbrook, yeah, who doesn't have anything to say. But, on their team. but James Harden is like, okay, what do I have to... Okay, I'll say it. And yeah, it we... looks like a hostage video. Let's play it. Yeah, we apologize, um, you know. You know, we love China. We love, you know, playing there. Uh, I know for, for both of us individually, we go there, you know, once or twice a year. Uh, they show us the most important love. So, you know, we appreciate them as a fan base, and uh, we love everything, you know, they're about and. and uh, and you know we appreciate the support that they give us individually and as an organization. So, uh, you know we love you. Oh my, that was fucking oh, sad. It's painful, man. Dude, we love oh, everything sh- you're about. Love, love the work with the Uyghurs. Yeah, love oh, that. Yeah. The organ harvesting. Allegedly, oh, the allegedly, organ allegedly. Love yeah. that. Love everything you're about. I think you can take the alleged out, honestly. Right. And yeah. Keeping well, up with that. But Jesus, I mean, like, re- that's yeah. just so embarrassing. And it's so sad to just see how much this money-based system is being like, okay, fuck it. We can't even like have a be on the right side of something like this. And you can hear the uh, you can you can hear when people are recalling talking points. What they're told, uh, yeah. You know, uh, we apologize. Uh, right. Even know. his very wait, Dan, can you just play? We apologize. It, the we apologize is so weak up top. Right. Yeah, we apologize. <laughs> it sounds almost like it was yeah, like played backwards or something. Yeah, I don't know if that's like the quality of the clip or something. They had but to deep fake his name. Yeah, I mean, the relationship between American corporations and China is tricky because on one hand, they are an authoritarian regime mm. that is involved in horrible human rights violations and, you know, threatening us implicitly with their weapons. But on the other hand, uh, they, they got a lot of money. 
And they have such a huge market, you know. It's even ch- it's changed the film industry for sure. Among, yeah, everything, uh, yeah, video games. And also, I I got to tell you because you guys know in some of the shows I do, we get involved with uh, research into stuff like Hong Kong, research into stuff like surveillance states, Sesame Credit, and so on. And now we're hanging out talking about this on air. Are we going to be able to get in? I don't, uh, know. Like, I don't know. Probably man. not. Okay, well, I better not see any of us. And it goes for you too, Anna, on some video. Saying right. we apologize. Right, I won't uh, be able to go to that Twilight theme park they're making. Damn, man. wasn't that wasn't that actually? Exciting? Can we cut this segment? I, I totally forgot about the, the Twilight about theme the park. Twilight theme park. Yeah, Never mind, man. I, I don't. Know. I that's, that's gonna be big for me. I <laughs> I love you, China. Yeah, and I apologize honestly, dog, for everything you're about, which is chill to me. So I don't know what the big deal is. I'm gonna be up at the embassy having that. Uh, what's that rom com where he holds up the the boombox and it's raining? Say anything. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna do a say anything right. at the border. It's, Hell yeah. Oh man, I feel bad. I uh, James Harden must be like, why the fuck did I have that's to do that? That's terrible. Seriously, I'm joking around, but that is. Not just terrible. That's frightening. That was the most that level like of influence. I, yeah, when you realize who is the, for lack of a better word, master in this fucking situation, where they're also be like, okay, well, money's our god, and now James Harden go, <laughs> whatever. They pulled the Fuck. leash hard. Yeah, man. unbelievable. Uh, all right. We, the Joker movie made a bunch of money over the weekend. Uh, I saw it. Miles, Ooh. you didn't see it. Didn't see it. No. Um, I, I read a lot of think pieces written by people who hadn't seen it before it came out. It's hard not to have a think piece just like spontaneously come out of your body after watching it because it's like such an overtly political movie. Like I went to sleep and had nightmares about like the world, like our society coming to an end the whole night after watching it. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty good, huh? It's I would say it's a f- affecting. Yeah. Well, but I mean, it's it's a very well put together piece of propaganda for something for a very specific like point of view that is really I I guess problematic. It's really strange. Wait, so is it caping for this mentality like you're justified well, in Well, it puts you in that. I mean, and you're you it, find uh, yourself like rooting for this lonely, mentally ill guy. And the relationship to mental illness is really weird because he sort of becomes fully himself and like the person that you find yourself, like there are many times where he can't say what he wants to say over the course of the movie, like for the first two thirds. But once he's off his meds, he like becomes a like smoother, cooler version of himself. And like- he becomes more violent, but the violent, the violence is, I don't know. It's, it's hard. Now he's an unreliable narrator too, right? Without spoiling things. Yeah, I would say so. He is. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, that's definitely suggested a couple of times, but it's still, uh, it's interesting. Did you get any, did you get any of the, uh, cause I, I read stuff where people were saying, uh, like the people in the um, involuntary incel people uh, were supposed to be showing up at theaters en masse or right. something. So, so uh, our writer, Jam, like my experience, I went fairly late uh, after the kitties were in bed. Mm. And uh, I was going to say, like, did you bring them? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, just chill, just chill, just chill. Uh, Watch your iPad. But I had a pretty normal, like there wasn't a big security presence, but uh, our writer, J.M. McNabb, went over the weekend and there was not just a security person out front, but a security person inside his screening and like his walkie-talkie kept going off like during the movie and you could hear it, which mm-hmm. is pretty wild. But yeah, the the media was like on alert. Like, was there going to be... See, yeah, an attack over the weekend, and it was a lot of, a lot of, you know, there there was a foul smell coming from a theater nearby, and people were <laughs> concerned about a gas attack, but like they don't know what it was. Some and, dude farting by the right. door. Yeah. yeah. Um. There, two men were smoking and causing a ruckus during a screening, but it just sounds like if you pay attention to everyone in movie theaters over the course of a weekend, like. That is going to happen. There is a foul smell in every movie theater. Right. Yeah, if yeah. you're at a good one. Yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> one of the real ones. Yeah, yeah. But uh, also, wait, causing a ruckus. How 1950s is that? Right. Like, like what? They're smoking indoors and horsing around. Yeah. Like I'm smoking a cigarette in here. Come <laughs> right. on, what are you gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm Fuck sure you. they were vaping, and because this article was written by a time traveler from the 1940s, <laughs> from Mayberry. Uh, yeah. That they a couple of ne'er do wells like, were <laughs> smoking it up. Um. Yeah. I mean. JM wrote that he has to admit he was a little jumpier than normal. I was definitely like keeping an eye out, but mm-hmm. you know. But I think yeah, right. I mean, it's. But I feel like how much of that is just sort of attached to this origin story about the Aurora guy, where we come, where right. everything Joker means, you know, we're attaching all these like sort of uh, past traumas and things to this one character. Also, that theater refused to air the Joker. Right. 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 They refused yeah. to screen it. Rather. Yeah. I, yeah, it's it's strange because, you know, I I don't want to sound conspiratorial. I know it's a little bit stereotypical for me, but <laughs> uh, but we have to ask ourselves like this is getting so much press, and the other stuff that you guys just talked about earlier in the show right. is getting like equal time or right. even less attention. In some yeah, places. and this is a this turns out to be a complete non-story in terms of what actually happened. Mm-hmm. I will say, like, it did really well. I would expect it to continue to do well. And, I mean, it has a very clear message or, like, a very, I don't know. I, I do think it will be have an effect on the culture. Like, I don't think it should be just treated like any other movie. I do, I do think it's probably worth keeping an eye on how people are responding to it. Because it, it almost seems like it could be a movie that like the sorts of people who do mass shootings like that sort of mentality would Mm. rally behind or at least expressing like what they are feeling when they do that which is i guess a valid like artistic it's not like necessarily glorifying it but it seems like the sort of thing that could be like the sort of rage and exactly sort loneliness, of anti-society, like anti-establishment, fuck society sentiment, a little legitimacy or something. Right. Yeah. How much of the how much of that do you think is rooted in the time in which it came out, or like is yeah. it is it like this I'm very timeless narrative, like thirty years from now? It's set in the eighties, mm-hmm. uh, I think, or sometime around there, uh, early eighties, late seventies, and. But its vision of city life is like very like they refer to like how the city is being overtaken by criminals and they refer to them as animals uh, a couple of times. Those are people in authority. We're not necessarily meant to identify with that sentiment, but he does like get beaten up by a gang of like 
12 to 15 year old children. Uh, and I, I think it's a powerful movie. I just don't know if its power is directed in the right direction or mm-hmm. how it's going to affect people. Should I see it or should I, I wait for, I'm, I mean. I think people who've seen it were like, I mean, kind of have the same take where it's like, his performance is really good mm-hmm. yeah. and it will kind of fuck with you. Yeah. So I think in that sense, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, that's the prerogative of the viewer if they, if they want to see it. I, you know, I, I'm probably going to check it out, mm. but I'll probably wait for the screener because I, I don't want to go to movie theaters ever. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing like, I'm telling you, it's easier to watch in your own home. Any movie. Sorry. The Sorry, sna- everyone. The snacks are better. Snacks are better. Uh, unless it's something in IMAX or something shot on large format, then I'll go to the theater. Well, Ben, it's been a pleasure having you. Uh, where can people find you and follow you? Uh, you can find uh, me and uh, my crew of uh, reprobates at uh, Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. We're lousy all over the internet, so just uh, search that. Uh, you can find us for Ridiculous History using the employing the same method. Uh, you can find me getting kicked into and out of various countries, communities, and uh, events on my Instagram, which is at Ben Bolin in a burst of creativity. You can find me doing <laughs> terrible one-liners and uh, uh, hot takes and stupid, uh, stupid things that sounded smart at the time on Twitter where I'm at Ben Bolin HSW and uh, I've got to have you guys on Ridiculous History yeah. again if you like Miles and Jack and dig this show we did an, uh, we did a two-parter yeah. on weirdest historical flexes weird which, flexes yeah. yeah, history yeah there there are some weird ones uh, Ben is there a tweet you've been enjoying so I found uh, you, you guys are, are plugged in so you probably already know about this but I found this hot takes music Bot, have you heard of our no. hot music takes? So it's just some sort of algorithm where he uh, or it, whomever created this, yes, the programmer of the algorithm. Sure, yeah, yeah, uh, is is just has made this formula where it says stuff like it, it's always a one take, uh, weird comparison or description of an audience that likes a band. So like the Beach Boys makes Tool for wine aunts or uh, for like. <laughs> Uh, in the aeroplane over the sea is just fodder for people with Bible verse tattoos. Uh, <laughs> Danny Brown is Vampire Weekend for everyone stuck in 1985. I haven't read like. <laughs> Danny Brown is <laughs> <laughs> doesn't, doesn't really make any sense. No, but, it doesn't. Yeah. Go- last one, Gucci Mane is the Michael Bublé of people with jewels. Like I don't understand <laughs> a, a lot of this, and they're not all you know solid gold. Right. But sometimes the algorithm might nail it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's the monkeys in the typewriter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Miles, where can people find you? And is there a tweet you've been enjoying? Twitter, Instagram, at Miles of Gray. A tweet I like from Reductress says, why I switched to eating only plant-based dick. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to plant-based everything. That's great. Also, if you're in the Chicago area, October 16th at 7 p.m. at the Hungry Brain. You can experience firsthand the power, the magic, the majesty of Ethnically Ambiguous, the podcast that's hosted by our very own Anna Hosnier and Shireen Younes. Uh, pull up. Have a good time. It's going to be a good time. Do it. And get your tickets at chicagopodcastfestival.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. A couple of tweets I've been enjoying. 
Earl Sweatshirt tweeted, butt naked standing in front of the computer with the Captain Morgan stance. I would, I just want to say to the federal agent looking through my front cam, welcome to the meat show, cuzzo. And Pat Oswalt uh, tweeted, seriously, who is this actress? She's having such a blast being evil, and she's got to riff the whole thing. Just amazing. Uh, about a video of the woman who plays both the evil queen and um, Maleficent at Disneyland and is just so great at it. People should check out her her work. And then Brinister tweeted me, I need a bank loan, please. Bank manager, how much? Me, like, really bad. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack, Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. We link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on. Miles, what's that going to be? Okay, another track from Lil Sims. We, t- we did a Lil Sims track uh, from her last week, but... This whole her album is really good. I can't. The more I listen, the more I'm just getting drawn in, and I'm thinking she is one of the most talented MCs I've ever in a while. Oh, this you guys played this yeah, on the last yeah. episode. Another one, yeah. I think maybe it was the last one. So check out the track Venom. This is a track called Venom. Again, very simple, but whew, just buckle up because open your ears, and you might have to pause and rewind to get all of the the verses into your mind. All right, we're going to ride out on that. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's going to do it for today. We will be back tomorrow because it is a daily podcast, and we'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Venom. My, my, if you ever heard what I heard in the night What a fright, must have been a parasite in my past life I don't want to ever come down from a high My soul was sending to the sky, it's just you and I Gone but I'm feeling too alive, trying to get me out of spite Someone's got to pay, I ain't talking big amounts Some kind of physical pain, some kind of traumatic shit Niggas want to see dead bodies, probably not there in Raleigh With no automatic clips, moving scatty, all erratic and shit Niggas pussy looking batty and shit Oh you man, then come at me you prick Make a move, better pattern it quick I assume you'll be coming for blood That makes two of us, that makes two of us better mm-hmm.